right. Welcome back, everyone. That sounded way more depressing than it meant to sound, but we are back. <laughs> that was an NPR voice. Yeah, I know that you guys are expecting to see a different name for this show, but there is a ne- there is definitely a different name to this show. Uh, obviously, if you guys have been listening, this is Triple Beam Streams. I'm Justin here with Dom, Pat, and Eric. And before we freak out, yes, this is essentially what late fees used to be. But now this is the new way we're doing it. We figured that if movies changed forever in 2020, we had to change forever. Much like the movie industry after 9-11. That's right. We all changed. Everything changed. Um, But yes, uh, we decided to pack up the video store. It's out of business anyways. We couldn't get rent forgiveness. And uh, we pretty much had to shutter the video store and do it. The (laughs) harsh reality of... (laughs) <laughs> what happens <laughs> we went the way of blockbuster and we decided to rebrand for for everybody and and rebrand with with the way movies have been going obviously triple beam streams let you in on the latest and greatest of what's streaming now and also what's in the theaters but allows us to be a little bit more flexible maybe both what you are, yeah and what you guys are watching and what we're watching as well um, we just and, and we just wanted to keep continue giving you guys this uh, content. And obviously, in this first episode, we're going to be giving you a lot of thoughts and views. And I mean, really, like, you know, you guys can back me up here. Like, we, we just thought that it would be better if we just stopped trying to uh, freebase whole franchises <laughs> within two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and man, honestly, the episode number count was fucked up. So it's better to just start at one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start at one. Uh, and you know, obviously, you can always go to RNC Radio Watch to listen to the old episodes of Late Fees. And that is, you know, that's from the, the West era, the Cam era, all the way up to the really me and Pat era, where it was just me and him like, what do we do? We're in quarantine all the way up to when we when we grabbed Dom, the, 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 uh, the armchair auteur himself. And he 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 got on the show, and we're all here now. We're we're talking about movies, and we're having a great time. We, and, uh, we might be actually uh, going back to real life as this uh, gets started. I hope back so. The movies, depending yeah. on when you're listening to this, I, if you're listening to this in a few months, I may have been horribly wrong. I, I mean, Matt, you know, <laughs> we 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 are you know essentially. Let's just be clear. We're we're all vaccined up. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like we are, uh, we're we're doing the damn thing. Uh if you're if you're not, you should go get one. They give yeah, you donuts. Yeah, if you do yeah. it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, what better incentive is there for that? But I mean, obviously we're we'll be Pat, um, Eric and and myself will be going back to doing this in person like we used to. Dom will be, of course, on location at the uh the auteur's domain. I don't know. I, w- I want to call your where you were. Co- what do you call your studio? Something like I do not know. I was actually thinking about that earlier. Like anytime, I, anytime I tell someone I'm in my space, I, just, I, I use finger quotes for studio because it's just like it's like my desk. I'm just in like a room in my yeah. apartment. You know what I mean? I, I uh, hate calling I, shit stuff like that. It sounds so like pretentious, kind of. Like I yeah, know people yeah, that, it that is. have like it, okay, like if I made like music and shit, I would feel comfortable calling it a studio even if it was just like a laptop and a midi controller or whatever but it, it just doesn't feel right i feel like i'm lying to people when i say studio i'm like i'm in my little like corner i have a corner and i talk about movies and that's what i do there every and time trust I watch, me every time i watch one of your videos i call it the uh 
the bisexual lighting layer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, if anyone doesn't know, keep your damn YouTube uh, notifications on and please follow the armchair auteur on YouTube. Dom reviews all of the you know movies that have come out or are going to are going to come out. You literally know, everything. Literally, literally almost every single yeah, day. And I I have no shame. I will watch fucking anything for views. I've, I've put myself through some rough <laughs> movies. So like, you know, if you don't want me in my apartment crying because I watched a terrible movie and I didn't get enough views from it, like just help a brother out. Cause yeah. I do these movies. So other people don't, when you're scrolling on whatever streaming platform and you're thinking about watching a movie, I guarantee you I've seen it already and I can tell you not to. So I do this for the public good. Yeah. I'll be scrolling and I'll see on Letterbox that Dom watched some Christmas movie called like Pasta Claus about like Christmas <laughs> or something. Like, <laughs> how do you find this? Yeah, I just I just tune in to see like which Tom Holland movie I haven't heard of that you're going to rip to shreds, which is nice because, yeah, you offer a, a critique from like a leftist lens that we don't have online. And it's very non-consensus building like i when i log on and i see very notable critics from like you know la times or new york times and these big publications they all seem to like just regurgitate the same talking points about why they like these movies and our boy dom comes through with the with the ginsu and slices that shit up i don't know if i know eric saw it but uh there was a really good piece about promising young woman app the other day that like is the only piece of film criticism i've seen recently that like really cut through the fact that a lot of critics just people in general when they talk about movies just repeat whatever the filmmakers say in interviews yeah and like it just went point by point by point of like here is where emerald fennel said this bullshit interview and here's where 90 critics were like yeah that's exactly what it is yeah. it's like everyone mutually just agreed to review a movie that was in her head that she didn't really make but this happens all the time like this is basically what happens with movie shows everything now yeah, Aisha Siddiqui was the author of that piece, and um, yeah, she it's it talks about like the consensus building we were just talking about how it's almost like manufactured consent, just like exactly uh, what it is. Yeah, an interview like has you know they have these very eloquent sound bites that are stovepiped to critics, and they can kind of just regurgitate but add their own little flair to it to make it sound more important than it is. It is fair because almost nothing that's nominated for awards is like above like a three and a half i, uh, I still have to anymore. watch minari i hear minari is good i i um I like the, lot the first time i saw it and now i just don't even think about it and i, I don't it know, looks like, I boring it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's bro, definitely a, a lot of a lot of the movies movie. a lot of the movies y'all niggas watch looks boring <laughs> let's just I, keep it on a lot of, a lot of this stuff like when something looks like it was made with award season in mind and not with entertaining me in mind i'm just like i don't really want to see this and like yeah. Minari, Nomadland, like they all look like this. Like I'm sure there's good things about them, especially in performance. But I'm like, I, I don't want. It doesn't look entertaining. Y'all got to see the way Pat's just said all that with his muscles. Like we we can <laughs> we're on a Zoom right now. Pat is wearing the Nickelback wife beater. And <laughs> like... <laughs> That's the Kid Rock wife beater. Dog, he looks crazy. They're, but they're all the same wife beater, baby. We are going to be talking not just about movies anymore. We'll be talking about TV, anything as well. Short film, all of that stuff. I think the fact that short films, we love, we love short films over here. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We, and we're talking not 
10 minute, 20 minute films. We're talking 90 minute films. Those are short films. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so like, you know, I, we, we felt as though that the, the way that movies were going uh, and are going it really lends itself to us for us to be able to talk about these things long form in a really great format is the way that we do. But what I want to do on every episode of Triple Beam Streams is talk about what's going on in the news so that we can talk about some current event stuff. We never used to get to that. So what I want to talk about is Sony Pictures moving their movie output deal from stars to Netflix in 2022. Netflix got a first look agreement with Sony for all the studio's original movies uh, produced for the direct to streaming market that requires Netflix to commit to a certain number of titles from the studio, but it doesn't stop Sony from selling direct to rivals such as Hulu, uh, HBO max and so on and so forth. What do you guys feel about this? But, I mean, okay, so does that mean they can sell the same movie to different people? They can sell different movies. So I'm guessing that people. Netflix gets the first look. So if they say we want this one, they'll take it. If they say, eh, we don't, we don't fucking want uh, Into the Spider Verse two. You know, they can give it to somebody. Yeah. Else. They could, they could so Disney, oh, Disney so when it says direct to video, it doesn't mean stuff that they make for streaming only. It means stuff when it goes to video. Yeah, both. But Sony has really like. You know, open up the 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 floodgates for them to be in the same way that Time Warner AOL is with HBO Max, a player in this new streaming uh this this new streaming landscape. And and I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons is that we we keep seeing these deals that last year a lot of people said would not happen and could not happen and would not survive. And we're going to be talking about HBO Max here on this episode, but I think that's really opened up the the opportunity for us to see really big time movies that we would normally not see streaming end up on Netflix. I mean, Netflix just cut a deal to get the Knives Out sequels, giving motherfucking Ryan Johnson the bag, him and and my mans. Craig managed to like really uh, uh, get some points on this that I don't know. He got a hundred million himself. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I think he negotiated. I think he negotiated his salary for it to be like, well, if this went to if this went to theaters, I would get this much on the back end because I'm selling the movie. It's on my base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they just the like, articles oh, we'll just all just fra- the articles just framed it as like they're getting it to develop, and it was like Craig's gonna pace in the background, mumbling like Foghorn Leghorn while Johnson like <laughs> types away. Like that's not what's gonna happen. No, not at all. Yeah, it, a lot it, of the coverage of that story was really like shitty, and, and I don't mean like negative. I just mean like poor, and like this was not did not have a lot of the real details until like yesterday. We finally got like, the full story. But they yeah. tried to make it seem like it's like the same thing as like an NBA contract, which like. That's just not how it like development stuff works at all. Not at all. And I mean, the whole thing is it's about when the, when the news first, first broke at the very first story about it, just that with Netflix was getting it, it really buried the lead that the entire reason this deal is so special is that Johnson and what Bergman, his co-producer or like his, like his producing partner own this thing. They own this franchise. Like they had a one picture deal with the people that financed it and with Lionsgate for releasing it. So this is just like their whole thing. Because I already saw a little bit on Twitter of like making the discourse about like, can't believe Netflix canceled insert bullshit beloved show no one likes. But they have a hundred <laughs> million time. dollars. One day at yeah, a time. Yeah, like, how dare you? Like they canceled this, but how, how they're going to give Ryan Johnson a hundred million dollars. And it's like, he's not getting a hundred million dollars to direct the movie. He literally owns this entire fucking thing. Yeah. If he had sold it to Lionsgate, and Lionsgate sold to Netflix, they would have given them this money. Like, that's where it would have went. Well, it's, like it's, interesting you, money. it's interesting you say Lionsgate because that's why. Um, that's why, what was I trying to say? Sorry. That's why uh, Sony pulled their movie deal from Stars is because uh, Lionsgate acquired Stars. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I didn't see that part, actually. It's also important to realize, like, Brian Johnson didn't wake up yesterday with $100 million in his bank account. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, people think, like, oh, just writing the check out to Daniel Craig for $100 million. It's, it's like, these are they're going to develop these things. There's so much, like, operational costs and overhead that goes into this. And, yeah, and, like, logistical costs. Like, it's going to be over a an immense amount of time, a couple of years. I, I feel like I that think- gets lost in the sauce, like. Like I think like, over the course of like maybe five to ten minutes, Twitter went from like, ooh, Knives Out sequels to Ryan Johnson's fucking stupid bitch wife makes how much money on Patreon and he's a hundred <laughs> yeah. millionaire now. And it was just like, I didn't even know his wife had a podcast. And now yeah. that's the like the stories just turn left so fast. I'm like, I can't imagine being this. This story. is why, like, I I'm happy to have paid so much attention over like the last, I don't know, five or six years. But I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I can't learn any of these. I can't learn any people anymore, man. I, can't. <laughs> I don't want any new characters. Yeah, I, I have any, to. Any new lore. I have to stop. I'm gonna. I have to delete all this stuff. It's driving me crazy, and it's not as fun as it used to be. I just want to know, like, Netflix is consistently in the red. I, I just am always fascinated with how they can, like, like where the money comes from. Like, yeah, it's good debt. VC. It's, yeah, it's, just through speculation alone. It's all. It's good debt. It, it's it's the definition of good debt. I, I I think I had it broken down to me one time. There's like a video about it. I can send you the link for it. Where it's like them in the red is still considerably better than like me or you being in the red because they are they're consistently putting out things that make money back. That means that bubble has to ver- burst eventually, right? Not if it just yeah. keeps getting bigger. Yeah, not if they get bigger. Like they're. I mean, you know, going in back a normal to normal economic system. Yeah, I imagine it yeah. would. Going back uh, to the uh, to the knives out thing, like that's over seven hundred million dollars. I would imagine that's paid just like the Sony deal with Netflix is on a on a pay scale, scaling to what they would believe the box office was. So when you look at the knives out deal, it makes a lot more sense. It's not seven hundred for all of it. It's seven hundred for what they think or believe these movies would have made in the marketplace had they been released in theaters regularly. And that's mm-hmm. the types of deals that we're going to be seeing now. So this means that Netflix could realistically get future installments of spider-man and jumanji and venom literally on day one it also means they control the vod it's not just what they would have made in theaters it means that you know you see like why why the fuck does is there a stranger things dvd uh it's literally the opposite of the point of netflix but then now they can actually like oh the movie for idiots like me that might be different Mm -hmm. uh especially when they start doing as i believe uh they're going to do in the near future uh stuff isn't going to be available year round. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, for sure. For sure. Like you can watch knives that, out too for, especially with HBO doing this one month window, it's going to be like, you can watch knives out too for four months and then it's going away for five months. Variety says that this deal is relatively, uh, if you can call it normal, a, a normal sliding pay scale deal. Um, Sony and Netflix seem very excited about it. So I, I look forward to seeing uh, what happens and how this shakes out uh, as we, as we move forward. I got I got it's, a piece of I got a piece of funny TV news. Okay. Shy McBride joins Pete Holmes in CBS Pro Bowling comedy pilot. Pro uh okay, yeah. I, I I do like a bowl the idea of a bowling pilot, but who <laughs> Pete Holmes and who? Shy McBride. Shy McBride. Uh, Boston a, Public, right? We, yeah. We, oh yeah. We Pete society Holmes. need to <sighs> Be done with Pete Holmes. Like we, we're we're past. We don't need a Pete Holmes anymore. What? Well, give it, give it to TBS. Pete, I think that give it to Pete Davidson. I think CBS and him are like this. <laughs> and no more Pete's in comedy. No, no Pete Davidson. No Pete Holmes. Um, 
Pete Davidson, yeah, Pete Holmes is old, man. And and never has never been funny. Sorry. Sorry, Pete. Wow. That you can't you you fuck it. You, you don't fuck with Pete. No. Like that. He's cool. I fuck no, with him. No, no, he's Christian. No, he's not. What? <laughs> All right. See, I knew that I I knew that there was a, a political slant to that. But but again, Sean McBride getting to the bag. I'm all for a black man getting a bag. I haven't seen this motherfucker on TV in quite some time. Either. Not since they cancel pushing daisies. I fuck with McBride. He's fun. Yeah, he's yeah. always been good. Kai's good. Just give it to Kai alone. Like, let it be him and um, Delroy Lindo, two old men bowling. You know, uh, I, I got to be real. TBS having a new comedy and it's about pro bowlers sounds like what I would guess a new show from TBS is about. CBS. It's like, so it's even oh, worse. CBS. Oh, <laughs> yes, never mind. CBS. Oh, no, I take yeah. it back. That actually makes perfect sense. That's going to be like 12 <laughs> seasons. That's going to be. Oh, was, oh, yeah. Because like, yeah, if it was CBS, it'd be three episodes and done. Um, but yeah, yeah CBS. Yeah, CBS. That could be probably like if the Equalizer show is doing well somehow. A show with a woman in the lead on CBS, a black woman. That's weird. It, well, wait, is Queen Latifah really whipping niggas' asses on that? I'm not watching that show. I mean, maybe. I don't know. And, and the trailers is it on, like is it on CBS like doing, or Paramount Plus? I think it comes on CBS, like the actual, like the, the, the regular network. All I know is in the trailer, it looks like she's learned like Steven Seagal's like fat guy, Hakido stuff, you know, where the camera is doing all the action and she's just kind of there. Um, but I'm not I'm not gonna watch that. But I mean the fact that it exists, the fact that someone at CBS wanted to make a show about the equalizer with a black woman in the lead. And then it's Queen Latifah is like, seems very not the way that network works. So more power to him. Uh, even bigger than that. I, th- I guess we got to, we got to, we got to stop bearing the lead here and get right into it, but I'm going to frame it with some actual data here. Godzilla versus Kong, a box office and streaming super hit dropped last week. It had one of the strongest weeks of streaming on HBO Max since uh, since it launched, and it set a pandemic record for movies in theaters, $48.5 million. It is literally the biggest movie to come out in the last 365 days uh, on HBO Max and in theaters. I mean, it's box office is like a legitimate... Sorry, <laughs> Christopher Nolan, what? Found dead in a ditch. Torn in half by a big monkey. You Uh, talked all that shit about HBO Max being the worst streaming platform because his admittedly very good movie bombed, and uh, you know because of the national crisis. And HBO Max is—they're the ones bringing movies back. You know, it was not Tenet; it was King Monkey. And And uh, he—I want to know what Nolan saw in the theater when he went to Burbank 16 and saw whatever he saw. In those pictures, I need to know what it was. Um, you saw unhinged. God, that would <laughs> make saw, me happy. He saw nobody. That's what he. That's what he uh, went to go watch. <laughs> the forty-eight million is like legitimately good. Yes, because if you the what the entire country is either some some places are at fifty percent capacity, most are at twenty-five. I know New York is twenty-five. I think LA is twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arc light, open up. Like uh, 25% capacity for a theater is like, first of all, it's hell. So <laughs> the movie to make $50 million and people can only have like a quarter, let's say a third average for the whole country open. That's like a, that's a big opening. I don't know what yeah. King of Monsters opened at, but it probably wouldn't have been this. Like it did. You know, it's they, they had the secret of having both Kong and Godzilla in the movie. So people actually yeah. wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the, the biggest question here. Is that a lot of analysts are wondering and they are saying that it's really difficult to to make sense of what this means. Like 
does simultaneous releases on HBO Max, does it stop box office revenue? Does it limit streams on the other end? Or can can streaming and theatrical exist? I feel as though we're going to get into this hybrid model because HBO Max and Time Warner, they don't see, it doesn't seem like they're going to stop doing this. They already said next year. I did get worried they were going to stop. No, they're, they're going to, to they're, they said uh, already, I, I wish I, I'd saved this link, that they're going to be certain movies, not all movies, but certain movies next year will also go to HBO Max. So I would imagine that if they wanted to make a splash and get more subscribers, you put the Batman on HBO Max and have it simultaneous with theaters, even though everything's opened up because there's still going to be people that that might want to have a movie night at home. So like the big question here is that, you know, as we talk about these HBO, HBO Max movies on this episode today is that, you know, they they shot it from the mountaintops that Godzilla versus Kong did really well, but they didn't say that for Judas and the Black Messiah. They didn't say that for, for the little things like, does this mean that these movies didn't do as well? Well, those movies wouldn't have done well anyway. I mean, like Judas yeah, might have made a little money. Little Things was never going to make any money. It was going to get dumped in January regardless. Mm-hmm. And Judas, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't Judas, think Judas would have done probably, made over 50 million. Yeah, no, Judas, no, not at all. Judas probably would have had that sort of um, like award season bump where it went from like 1 million in like the small market, uh, in, like indie market box office and then like petered out at like 20 million. Mm-hmm. But like that, that's, that would have been like a, a win, I think, for them anyway. So uh, now, now they can kind of hide behind the numbers of, of, of streaming a little bit. And the award stuff is still ramping up. So there are also people who will be on HBO Max because these movies are there and they wouldn't go to the theater anyway. So mm-hmm. it, you know, I it, yeah, there's it, a there's a thing with like when, when movie pass was still a thing that hellish time. Uh, I mean, for regular people, it was really cool. Like, but for I worked in a movie theater and it was like I wanted to kill myself. But uh, when movie pass was a thing, there were certain movies that you would look at the box office numbers on and they would be like these like weird little bumps. And it was for movies that no one would have seen if they didn't have movie pass. Like, I remember I came into work one day and like Amy Schumer had a fucking movie out. I can't remember what it was about. Who cares? But it was like selling out. <laughs> we, were, we were like, we had full houses for it. And I was like, why? And then I looked at the numbers. I'm like, 90% of these people are here with movie pass. They would not come see this movie with their money. They're coming with uh, movie pass's money. Uh, Den-, Den of Thieves would have never... <laughs> it's the zeitgeist i saw that on movie yes. the, movie pass the real one but i think that the real one was mm-hmm. the meg the meg did like 60 million nobody would have saw that dumbass <laughs> jason statham shark movie without that shit but i think but i think it's like streaming okay people have been talking about the streaming move and i think the big fear for people who are like big proponents of the big screen experience is their fear is that with something like hbo max the fact that godzilla versus kong is the movie that broke these numbers it, it, it could teach Hollywood the lesson that the only things that will do well in a theater are big, expensive blockbusters. And then it might make people think that Warner Brothers will start only releasing those movies in theaters and then HBO Max will just be stuff like Little Things or Judas or whatever. But I think it's going to be the opposite. I think that for the way HBO Max is functioning, it's better to take something that has like a really good, you know, big screen experience and do them release both ways because people that want to see it big will go see it big. And then people that don't will still watch it at home. You know what I mean? Whereas like, if you like, like with the Batman, like the Batman is a movie that is going to do well in theaters regardless. So I think you can release it straight to the platform and it won't take away from box office receipts. Mm-hmm. I think that's, what's going to be happening is like not, I think people are afraid that that means that like, you're not going to, they're only going to keep the little movies. I'm like, no, they're going to put the big ones on there too. Cause people but- have to care. But think about the cost 
transition as well if they say okay we're going to have the batman in march and we're going to have whatever in april that 14.99 then becomes 24 then becomes 50 it becomes 60 you you have a way larger return on investment if they stay that's the key is having them stay on the platform like i've had hbo match since since launch i've enjoyed it fully and we'll talk about it right now but i think that their challenge is is keeping the the legacy content there and keeping these movies because my thing is that you got to keep these movies there for longer than 30 days and yeah. i feel like that's the next step like them leaving is like is kind of wild to me and it's almost like they they disappear off the platform and they never they were never there at all <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy. yeah but um let's talk about uh, hbo max we all like the service right i do i like it a lot it's of all the different streaming platforms, HBO Max, in addition to the whole cool day and date thing they're doing, has the best variety of any streaming platform, bar none. Mm. Yeah, it also doesn't feel like um, stuff was just made for it. Like when I like this uh, uh, Nick Cage movie, Grand Isle, that I watched a couple weeks ago, terrible movie, watched it on Hulu. It was made to be watched by me on Hulu. Like if I'd watched it on HBO Max, I'd be like, well, this was their exclusive content. Like, this is kind of weird. This was supposed to, like, it does feel, maybe because it has royal purple background, but it does feel more uh, prestigious, I think. Uh, I still don't love the interface, uh, but I don't love the interface on any of them. Uh, but the, I, I mean, their movie library is the the best one. It's the shit. Me. I mean, even right down to like anime and, and stuff like the Fresh Prince, uh, it was it, what was it? The Fresh Prince uh, reunion. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was it was really good. Con- I think it's it's meaningful content there. And obviously, we're talking about big business, big companies that are you know really grabbing onto our nostalgia. Uh, and mostly you know, want money. They mostly want money, but I, I think that you know within within the the framing of, of the pandemic, I think that it, it was it came out and it ended up being better than like Quibi because it had stuff that we could, we could latch onto and, and that we cared about. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the first four months of the HBO max uh, straight to streaming straight to, you know, 30 days and it's gone stuff. So we're going to start from, I don't want to start from wonder woman uh, 84. Yeah, I, mean, I think we all 2021. We're starting with 2021. I think we're all kind of mixed on Wonder Woman. I know Eric didn't like it. Pat wasn't a fan. I think Dom I mean, liked it. I, I, I like Pedro it. Pascal it saying, what is your fun. wish? Uh, was, I wish more <laughs> movies had that. It was fine. Uh, you know, if, if you want a deeper review, definitely check out Armchair. I'll tour a review of that. Uh, check out Pat's letterbox. Eric, did you letterbox that one? No? Yeah, I did. Would you put it? You probably put a googly moogly or some dumb shit. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> no, I think it was like, no, I think it was like four words about Palestine, probably. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So it, actually, Eric, you did have a review that I was like really waiting for, and like I, I got literally nothing from. I don't think you reviewed. Justice it was his God, Godzilla versus Kong review, which was. Yeah. Did you like it or? Well, okay, we'll get to it in a second. Hey, yeah, my like- interpretation of this is, I enjoyed this as a baby. <laughs> no that was his review it was google gaga and i was yeah. like all right eric i'm done i don't i think i unfollowed him i was like i'm done i, I can't do it anymore <laughs> i can't do it anymore okay uh, okay but- hey, wait i have to cut you off real quick are we talking about justice league in this because it isn't a 30-day window movie um no it is it, 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 justice league is proper hbo max content yeah yeah it, 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 it's I, never also, going to leave. i think there's plenty of uh 
on RNC Justice League related content people can seek out. Yes, they, if, uh, if, if you want to, if you want, if you want a Justice League review, check out our our guys X and Van on the RNC Radio channel uh, on the Black Variant. They talk all about it uh and, and for like two hours check out all of dom's appearances i was just listening to one last week uh on on so many different podcasts about justice League, <laughs> as well as his two videos about snyder cut where i i i'm honestly i've seen the movie twice i'm snyder cut it out I've, i got what i needed i i can move on i yeah, and that's my yeah i yeah, i love yeah. it too but i'm like if, if if a random person in real life asked me my opinion about it i'm gonna have to be like i loved it but don't say a word to me don't look <laughs> me in the eyes we're moving on yeah, I, I, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I did got you, nothing. Justin, did you watch um, the the grayscale cut, which when they said that was coming out, I was like, all right, we're pushing it a little here. I I was really excited about this for a year. We're pushing you know, it. You know what's weird? Oh, I don't think it's pushing it. I think people waited five years for it, you know, so give them, give them all the give them all the fixings. I think if it was a DVD extra or a Blu-ray extra, I check it out now down the line, knowing that I have the choice, I'll do it down the line. I, I planned on watching it again, maybe in a month. I think two, watching it twice in a week is a bit much. It's four hours. You know what I mean? Like that's not yeah. a movie that I'm going to go back to <laughs> anytime soon. It even feels like I, you had it memorized. It. Yeah. And, and, yep. and you know yep. what? The, the one thing with just with, with justice league is that like, you know, for all intents and purposes, it is the same, you know, beginning, middle end. It's just the stuff in between it yeah. is, um, you know, is very different. So, like, again, like, I love the movie. I think it's great. Zack Snyder, you're the king. All we, I want to get to the fallout of that, but I want to save it to the next episode when we kind of get more. I want I want to look at all the Ray Fisher stuff, and I, I really want to get our thoughts on it, but we're going to keep it positive today and go straight to HBO Max. And what we're going to do, we're going to just quickly, briefly, you know, talk about these movies, and then we're going to say, you know what, should you stream this movie or not? Is that cool? Yeah. All right. So we're going to start off January, end of January, too. They made us wait a while. It was literally right at the window when Wonder Woman 84 was about to go away. Uh, the Little Things with starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malik, and Jared Leto. I'm going to tell you one th- I'm going to tell-, tell you this right now. This felt like to me one of those movies that came on your Fox affiliate at 11 p- or 11 p.m. at night or maybe 4 p.m. on a Sunday that you watch right before something cool comes on. Okay, but it had none yeah. of the like uh 90s panache of something like that or 80s panache depending uh right. but like I had I spent so much of January watching 90s movies that were like just some of the crazy like dom knows like ghost in the darkness type of movies like movies people have never heard of jennifer eight uh and then this came out and i was like it's so easy to make like a really good two and a half star version of one of these movies that i will just like watch all day and man it was bad yeah uh jared leto needs to be uh sent to the electric chair there's no he's gonna hang that there's no charm here. There's no, nothing even interesting about what this guy did. I thought he was the best part of the movie. I'm not, I didn't think he was especially good, but he was the best part of this movie. I, I, I can't even like give him an ounce of, of nuance or leeway. Like what, what he's doing now is just unacceptable. He's got to go. <laughs> unacceptable. Unacceptable. What, what uh, didn't also, you like? What, hold on, hold on. What didn't you like about him in this? And of course, he plays. In, in this movie kind of plays with a, a lot of it, it's like really about interpretation well not interpretation but but about like it's weird because like in, in complete spoilers here if you didn't see it within the 30-day window 
never whatever. I'm so anyway. you're yeah, never yeah, gonna so see so it, and you're never gonna see it. Jared Leto is not the killer, but. But you know, like he's, but he's he so pretends weird to be to fuck with the police pretends, the whole movie. I, I'm with Pat. I love Denzel. I thought he was just Denzel in the movie. I feel like Denzel's at a point where he's just playing himself. He just like he reads the script and he's like, "I'm gonna do this how I would, how I would do it if it was real life." I see how. <laughs> I see how he would have thought this would be good. Like he, he doesn't know like what a weirdo Leto is and like have any reason to think about him other than like, as just some weird actor, he probably thought uh, he's, he didn't see Bohemian Rhapsody, but he, he saw that Rami Malek like won so much uh, praise for this role for some reason uh, because of the critical echo chamber. We were kind of talking about at the beginning of the episode and he was like, yeah, I'll be in this. And then this happens. Yeah, it uh, it reminded me like uh, full disclosure. I fell asleep maybe fifty minutes into it, uh, <laughs> but it reminded me of like as you were saying, like this sort of '90s psych psycho like psychodrama that Denzel thrived at in the in the late '90s, like Fallen or something like that. Um, but with zero of the charm. And, and, and what my my beef with with Leto is he he exudes this air of like he what he thinks he is doing is the greatest thing to ever happen to cinema and Im- immediately becomes like a nauseating experience like he thinks he's doing this huge swing I'm like you're just being weird for weird sake and that 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 does absolutely nothing for me i like he's also I he's like- also a serial groomer uh and like pedo yeah. king yeah i i i like denzel in this and uh, justin is is correct in, in a way that it is denzel just being denzel but i kind of like like muted subdued denzel where like he his charisma has also kind of been like zapped out of him um mm. yeah i mean like you said this movie would have you know opened up uh, probably to like 12 million and we never would have saw it again or talked about it again which we're kind of doing that already so we have to talk about uh it's almost not worth mentioning because it's so bad but it is so bad uh malik's performance in this movie all time one of some of the worst acting let, let me just let me just say it right here i don't fuck this guy i don't either Bad vibes. Don't like him. Bad vibes. I think don't he's like terrible. I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen him in something where I was like, I get it. There are people I don't like. Like I don't like Leto, but like Leto and Suicide Squad, Leto on My So-Called Life. I can I can rock with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Everyone everyone has a thing where I'm like, I don't like this actor, but this one time he had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I don't, Rami I don't, ever had. I mean, we all we all watched Boss so Level. Everybody watched Boss Level before this episode, and we all liked yeah. it. And fucking yeah. Mel's back against everybody's best wishes. Uh, he's back. <laughs> Yeah, at, at least yeah, it, at least met. I, I I will remember a Leto performance. Like, I, I in retrospect, it's awful what he won an Oscar for playing a trans person. But like, I think I, I do remember what he did in that movie. There are choices being made. Uh, I, I liked him in the '90s movie that uh, Pat watched called Switchback. Uh, oh, so good. Yeah, and when he was like Panic 20, Room, he's got the rose. He's got. Quarter, he actually is really good in Panic Room. Yeah, I was he's, yeah, he's a he's a psychopath. But like, yeah, Malik is. There's like ancient evil vibes that are vibrating <laughs> off that guy. Um, Malik, Malik is the person who literally like turned me against like, uh, like common consensus. Like when I was like in my like early twenties and Mr. Robot came out and people were like, yeah, you got to watch Mr. Robot. I'll never, like, All right, whatever. I will never watch and Mr. Robot. I watch it and I was like, he's just doing like this like voice and like the show has like a fictionalized version of anonymous in it like this is the like this this is it like it's the first time i remember as an adult being like what are you guys talking about like this is not good this is try hard bullshit i hate this and it was rami's fault uh i i was playing a game called 
uh, Until Dawn. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. It, it has like it has like actors in it, and they're like they're digitally yeah yeah uh, they're digitally made up. Rami Malek is in this game, and if there was like I had like a visual like recoil when I saw his face because <laughs> it's supposed to be a horror game. But like you know, like there's like that uncanny valley when you have like actors in it, and it's like yeah. their eyes are like glossy like this. Like I'm playing this game with Xbox called a uh, Quantum Break, and Sean Ashmore is the main character, and he looks just weird because he's just like like this the whole Dead game. Yeah, yeah, like it's even worse for Emmy Maddox, and that lets me know that this guy is, is he's AI. He is a he's a Russian psyop <laughs> that was sent to us from Q from Code Monkey to infiltrate acting. And that's oh, what I don't speak, like. Speaking of what, oh, what are we watching? Which is an old, old. Category. I didn't ask. Uh, I didn't ask. I Would we? <laughs> you should. You should check out uh, the end of the storm uh, on HBO. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Even it's if really you follow good. the situation, uh, it, it's good to actually like see these guys in action. Yeah. It, it. It is. It is. It is. It's a fantastic documentary. Again, HBO Max. Uh, so we're not streaming this. We're not streaming. Uh, we're not streaming the little things. No, it's going to be one of the worst movies I've seen all year. Uh, I think I, I cracked I, I, 100 I, yesterday. The, those who want me dead is in a month. Um, <laughs> one, one, one question. So the, the 31 day, it, it vanishes into mist. Where does it live? Like, where will people need to watch it? Like on Blu-ray? Like, is it going to come I, back? Well, I mean, that theoretically, that it's a, it goes to VOD, right? It goes to VOD. Yeah. You're able to buy it then. And like I would it. imagine that in the future, these movies will probably pop up on HBO Max again, but just not. I would I give it a season. So I would say we'll probably see the little things on HBO Max by the fall. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, um, it, 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 you're able to buy the little things now. You're able to buy Wonder Woman 84 as well. You've been able to buy that since like February. So they get those Christmas movies out fast. Yeah. So you're, it, they, they go straight to VOD from that point. But uh, February, February 12th, brought us Judas and the Black Messiah starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield. We never got a real chance to talk about this movie because we were on a hiatus at that point. Uh, obviously, the based on the true story of Fred Hampton, uh, the leader of the Black Panther Party, um, Ryan Coogler produced. I think we all we, we all love this movie, but I, I, I don't want to talk about how much we love the movie. I really want to get into like kind of the politics behind people saying like this kind of like Hollywood eyes. That's not a word. Like, they kind of like uh, like mainstreamed the Black Panthers in this movie a little bit. I, I I think that I don't agree, obviously, but like I I know a lot of people didn't like it because they felt as though it was like a it painted a rosy view, I, I guess, and, and, uh, of the Black Panthers. And I was like, I didn't I didn't feel that at all. Well, I think I think I mean back to the critical consensus echo chamber thing we we're talking about. I think literally in the two days before this movie hit HBO Max, because I'd already seen it, like you know before it actually hit. Uh, I noticed all these different people on Twitter talking about it and like getting into real deep discussions about things wrong with the movie and they hadn't fucking seen it. And I knew they hadn't fucking seen it. <laughs> and they were just talking about stuff based on like, look, if you're in any way, any remotely like left-leaning in this country, like of a certain age, you have a really natural aversion to the way Hollywood functions and the types of things they do to political stories. You know what I mean? Like if you watch something like The Trial of Chicago 7, that movie takes a bunch of historical figures and a bunch of real life, like leftist political ideology and waters it down with West Wing brain because that's what Aaron Sorkin does. So I know that people went into this movie assuming the same would happen. What's unfair 
is that they just held on to those assumptions and didn't even give them a chance to be disproven. Like the movie is not perfect in terms of like historical accuracy and some of the different complaints about how it doesn't delve into more like the granular detail of the Black Panthers and of this story. I understand those complaints and those are like genuine, but most of it was people just deciding this is just Hollywood exploiting like this real thing. And I'm like, I mean, any story based in, in fact is that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This movie didn't wasn't egregious in, in the exploitation. It ultimately, I think, was aimed in the right direction, even if it maybe didn't have as much nuance as people wanted. Like, it's a morality tale. You know what I mean? Like, it really does kind of abstract the story into being something vaguely biblical and moving. And I thought it was good. And I, I've yet to see someone complain about the politics of the movie in a way that lets me know they really saw it. Because all of their complaints are like, well, Dan Kaluuya is too old to have been Fred Hampton. Yeah. Or like, or this or that. And I'm like, it's a movie. Like, it's it's not fucking real. I'm sorry. Like, even a movie based in reality, even a movie that's a true story, there's limits to what you can do. You know what I mean? Sorry, like, would, yeah, you rather, yeah. would you rather have uh, a 19-year-old play Fred Hampton or would you rather have the movie be good? Uh, yeah, it's like, it's <laughs> like, oh, we got the guy from Waves to be Fred Hampton. Like, oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, one, one thing that people also got on it for was something that I don't even think... It, it, that this is more of like like soundtracks are like like soundtracks are are let's just be clear soundtracks are marketing they are marketing 100%. tools they are not for they're they're not to you know enhance movies in any way shape or form even though they they, they the tagline is movie and or music inspired <laughs> by the motion picture or whatever especially or, if it's a bunch of songs like in this case it's mostly like b-sides from other people's stuff that they cobbled together in a soundtrack other, other for than this. the yeah. other than the her song which strangely enough got a grammy nomination or like an oscar nomination or some shit which was mm-hmm. weird to me um but the people were like well, well fred hampton would have never liked jay-z it's like well motherfucker it's a fucking sound it has nothing to do with the movie i mean it has a, it's connected to the movie but it's not like this it's not like there was a moment where Fred was giving a speech and then Hove started rapping about like, you know, <laughs> buying real estate and Dumbo and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not that it's, it's a separate thing that they sell. It's not like a, ah, this just made me so mad because we have, I feel like we as like black people have been like subjected to some really, really shitty shit in the mainstream recently in terms of like really mediocre movies that people exalt for no reason, uh, to music and stuff or cultural things, television series. So to finally get a movie that actually has an inkling of revolutionary thought that actually was kind of incendiary and really meaningful and powerful and to see people like, you know, quibble over it and and complain about it when you literally had to go through two months of people acting like one night in Miami was like revolutionary. I just, it just killed me because I thought Judas was so good and I could not wait for people to see it and, and talk about how great it is and like share with each other. And like, no, it just kind of like, disappeared like it didn't really stick around the consciousness or anything yeah it became i mean honestly from what i saw it became a movie that that a lot of black people saw as this is this is black panthers distilled down for white people and i was like i don't necessarily feel like that's what it I, was I, I didn't think that at all they would have made Plemons so much more a central character just to get white people caring more about the movie if that was the case yeah, yeah they, they specifically and intentionally avoided good copying Clemens's FBI character or anyone involved in Pointel Pro. And I, my stream cut out. So apologies if I'm doubling down on anything Pat or Justin or Dom already said. But like, I, I, I get the friction of seeing a revolutionary story sort of subsumed by Hollywood, the same sort of gatekeeping elites that, yeah, water down revolution. Culture is where revolution goes to die. But like, 
like like Dom said before my stream cut out, this they went out of their way to not and to, to not water down socialism, uh, anti-capitalist rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Like the opening, the literal opening lines is the Fred Hampton line of like we don't uh, we don't beat capitalism with black capitalism. We beat it with socialism. Like they 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 wanted to make sure that socialism was on the forefront here. And yeah, I I I was waiting for that other shoe to drop. Be like, all right, who, where is this gonna make like Freddie Fred look like a too much of a radical? And he, they, they, there was none of that on display. I think about this movie often, and, and it does bum me out that it kind of has just been stopped talking about it. Yeah, like Kalua is gonna sweep, you know, the awards here, but you know, I, I don't. Yeah, the, the arguments being being put on on blast were, see, were by people who didn't see the fucking movie yeah. and like yeah it, we can be mad at jay-z for like wanting to you know tag his name onto something while like the fred hampton house is like sixty thousand dollars short of being uh saved from demolition like jay-z can sneeze that money out but you know the, the movie funded that and fred hampton jr seems to be happy and uh, yeah uh, chairman jr so like I, I this felt like a win like we got to see socialism and a, and black panthers be talked about in a positive light this is going to get people interested in this so and it was a good movie like against all odds it was also a good movie for Mm -hmm. because they did the smart thing when they make a biopic which is they didn't do his whole fucking life they just did a section of his life yeah um this is probably one of the best movies that's going to come out uh on max all year yeah it's still in my top three of of the year um kalua is awesome daniel fishback i was hoping she would get nominated for stuff but um shocker yeah, I know totally. Shaka, it, it, it this is the platonic ideal of a <clears throat> biopic about a revolutionary. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we, I mean, I think we all enjoyed this one. So uh, when this was, I think it is on VOD now. So definitely make sure you check out Judas mm-hmm. and the Black Messiah. I, I'm loving the fact that we're we're able to now quick hit all these movies that we <laughs> we missed out on talking yeah. about so much, and I haven't been able to talk about talk to you guys about this in such a a uh, you know a long form way, but we're coming up on a movie that, you know, I feel like we anticipated the most out of all of this. Um, it was the one movie that I think really kind of encapsulates this partnership between <clears throat> theaters, HBO Max, me, you, you know, everyone on this You're call. You're talking, you know, of course, everybody. about a, cla- a classic rivalry, right? Absolutely. Classic rivalry. Obviously, me and Eric have a rivalry as well. Uh, the Wolverine. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. That movie should have had more love on Eric's official uh, year end list a couple years ago. 2013 year list. Yeah, I won't, I won't bring it up. It's almost, been, almost, been, almost been 10 years for that. But 10 year grudge, baby. Of course, I'm talking about Tom and Jerry released at the end of February. <laughs> What a what a contrast, right? Judas and the Black Messiah, black man versus the well, cops. Funny. Now that you say that, I am the Colin Yost to your Michael Che. So absolutely, absolutely. See, listen. you're both so much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tom and Jerry. This was a movie that I don't know how much they paid for this. I don't know how much they expected this to make. I know we. I know we all. Did not like this movie some, you know, some more than, than others. But I definitely think that this is one of the movies that benefited from being on this service first more than any of these movies that we're talking about. Like a lot of these movies, like I could have seen them being dumped in, in January, but I think little things would have still done really well. 
because of because of the star power in it. This movie needed to be on this service because I think it would have definitely compared to like what what may have come out in this window, it would have definitely did way worse. And it, it, it at best it got a look or at least a 20 minute look from a lot of people when it when it dropped. It's like kids don't care about Tom and fucking Jerry and it wasn't a movie for adults. So <laughs> like kids don't kids don't care about Tom and Jerry. Chloe Grace Moretz is not like some uh some person who like kids care about uh, Michael Pena, uh, Colin Jost, Rob Delaney. These are people old people care about. And yet it's a, an abysmal movie for brainless kids. Uh, I, I want to go on the record and say uh, Rob Delaney, innocent, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, what did, he do? what did he do? No, I'm just saying like Pat <laughs> ripping on him for being old. Uh, he, no, he, I, I, he is old, but I just mean, he, he isn't, for, he is not an attraction for the children for whom this movie was created. He's for, he is for the terminally online left Twitter brain. Um, but uh, full disclosure, I didn't get to this one. Uh, I am contractually and religiously obligated to avoid anything with Colin Yost. His face is the Ark of the Covenant to me. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the most unfunny and unpleasant person to listen to or watch. But I do like, I do have a, a respect for Tim's story. Um, He's not the best director, but like he has, he has a very interesting career. I mean, the guy directed Taxi with Jim, Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah, <laughs> uh, or Taxi Driver, I think it's called. Um, no, it's called Taxi. And, taxi Driver is the yeah, Daniel one. Yeah, the, it the, is the hard taxi. to keep those Imagine, two movies straight. Strangely, though, I get yeah. confused often, and I'm like, <laughs> Imagine Jimmy, getting that one wrong. <laughs> Jim, 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 Jimmy Fallon is our Travis Bickle. Now that I think about it, um, but. Yeah, I didn't get to this one, so I'll sit this one out. But I'm I'm looking forward to Tim Story's Grumpy Old Men remake with Eddie Murphy. Wait, that's what they have? That's apparently in the works. Who's the other Eddie, Eddie Murphy? Who? Oh, it's Tom the yeah. Cat. It's, no, it's gonna it's be Tom, Lil, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be Lil Rel Howerly or somebody like. It's, oh yeah. <laughs> I hope it's Paul. I, I hope it's Paul Mooney. <laughs> I you know what Tim Story is like a decent enough like workman like director. He's like. He's sort of like a, like a not action Antoine Fuqua. Like they're both like, oh, I'm glad you're getting work. I'm glad you're doing well, even though I don't really like anything you do that much. But this movie to me was so weird because it's not like the actual Tom and Jerry stuff is pretty fun. Like the little cartoony sequences are like pretty solid. But the movie's color grade was so aggressively like Roger Rabbit sort of like, <laughs> like this is not. There's a shot where Chloe Moretz is like on her phone and she has like a blue iPhone 10R. I used to have that phone. And I know that phone is not that specific shade of blue because fucking nothing is. And it was just like petrifying to me that they <laughs> tried to make the, the live action stuff feel like a cartoon and instead it just like hurt my face. And I just don't know who was, like, like what you're saying, I don't know who it was for. Because like uh, adults, when they make movies for children that have like winking stuff towards adults, I get it. But, like, this felt like someone was building something out of spare parts. Like, Chloe Grace Moretz, you could have replaced her with just a random girl from TikTok or just, like, an Instagram influencer or something. Michael Pena tried to put the whole movie on his back, and, like, no one's that talented, unfortunately. Well, wait a minute. Funny, well, wait a minute. Scientology made this performance better. <laughs> it, it, it did. It was one of the only things that made this movie better. I really wish you guys hadn't told me that about him, to be honest. I just, I, I would have been happy not knowing that. That would have been better for me. But I, I, the one thing that was weird about it, and I think I was like live texting it to you guys as I was watching it. It's definitely the black, it's definitely way more 
like way more black than I thought it was going to be. Like the oh, opening with Tribe Called Quest is definitely a choice, especially considering the the roots and history of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, it, it uh, from what I've read and what from what you've told me and the vibe I got from the text you sent was like this seems like a movie Tim Story was hoping like Gen X new newly newly parented Gen X people were going to take their kids to like yeah like 40 42 like like just turned 42 just turned 43 have have like six-year-old kids Uh, still has a sneakers app on their phone yeah but but also yeah is like trying to be a good dad or mom um uh yeah like who's tribe called quest for who who is who, yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz for it. This makes zero sense. Well, there, there's a there's a weird scene where they talk about like Jordan sneakers. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, and like it, this, it, they, 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 I almost like this and almost appreciate it, but it's so specific where she's like, "Yeah, you got uh, that model here, like uh, at this store, like from this drop." And I'm like, like yeah, okay, whatever, yeah. a little, a little it, it bit was, of that." It was like, it, well, it, you know, it felt like the movie stopped, you know, to tell us that. Yeah, you know, they may as well have set it into camera. And, and it like, felt like uh, it kind of felt like Miley Cyrus's verse on 23, you know? Yeah. Like when yeah. Chloe Grace first started talking, I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is uncomfortable. You ain't wearing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know what that shit is. Yeah. Like, and like it, they kind of implied like she knew this because she's like streetwise. Uh, like she like is a kind of like a Catwoman type of figure. And that's why, like, <laughs> that's why she like knows like what the black guy is wearing. Well, like well, it was I a mean, little weird. There are so much flourishes. And you know what? Like, like Dom. And Pat, I think I feel like not Roger Rabbit. This mo- I when I when I was finished with it, I was like, this motherfucker wanted to make Space Jam. Yeah, no, he yeah, wanted for, to make yeah, Space actually, Jam. Yeah, Be- because he's got T Pain in this. There are a bunch of like just just like off the wall. Like, like Nikki Jam is one of the voices of the cats yeah. in the movie. I'm, I'm and I'm like, you wanted to, this motherfucker wanted to make like his Space Jam, and that's why it looks like this. And and he and, should and, have and just it, gone whole hog and in, instead of Chloe Grace, gotten an influencer and just made an influencer Space Jam with Tom and Jerry. Like exactly, it probably would have been better to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Get that white girl from that did the dance moves on Jimmy Fallon. Um, Addison something. Addison Ray. Addison yeah. Ray. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. He could have yeah. somewhere like Bad Baby. That could have been like the movie Bad Baby and Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th- this is th- this was this was th- this one landed with the uh, with the uh, with the grace of, of Diddy writing an open letter to corporate America saying they need to do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one just didn't hit. It, it didn't hit. I thought I thought again like the Tom and Jerry stuff was cute, but it was also nothing that we had never seen before in these types of movies. I, I yeah, think it just was grating because of that. I feel like the the mixing of humans and, and cartoons is is uh, better left to a Space Jam new legacy, which is going to come out in July. I, I actually I feel like and I'm saying this here. I feel like I want Space Jam to be the first movie I see in the theaters in a year. It's, I feel like I want to go spiral. Are you crazy? Do you guys want to see spiral in theaters? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'd go right now. <laughs> oh, I, OK, well. I guess spiral and then in the space. I, I really want to see like I, I miss movies and, and I feel have you guys seen like the protocol and like Dom, I know you know the protocols, but I've seen, you know, how they do it now. And I'm like, I feel a little I feel a little better about it. You know what I mean? Like honestly, yeah, I have I have friends who have been going to because like Virginia is open near me. So like a lot of people have just been going this whole time, which I thought was weird as they all just going into the movies, not even yeah. back. Um, and everyone I know has been like, and most of these people are people who also work in movie theaters. We're just like, no, it's like, fun. like, 
if you go to like an AMC or like a Re- well, Regals aren't fully reopened yet, but if you go to like an AMC or something like they take care of stuff, they clean, like they're doing the right shit. And like, honestly, I know so many people who are going to like restaurants and shit like that and, and stuff. It's, it's, it's not worse than that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like at a restaurant, you're like six feet from someone, you know, eating pasta with their mouth open and stuff. And <laughs> the movie, in a movie, it's just you. And like people can't sit next to you or six feet from you. It, it, I think it's, I think it's, oh, yeah. people are getting vaccinated now too. So like, you know, I've got it. I'll go sit in the, in the theater and wear the mask and watch spiral the movie. I want yeah. to. And you're not putting like, you're not putting like 30 workers at risk either by like doting on you every five seconds from like in a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like this, this, the ushers and the staff stay in their area and you're in in the theater. I feel like it's far less. The cognitive dissonance is far less with that situation. Yeah. 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 And we're, we're a month out from fast nine and I got to see John Cena and Vin Diesel fight. So like, that's going to be my back. It's probably going to be fast nine. Yeah. That seems, it seems correct. Back to the movies, people. Okay, let, let's be through this. Uh, next up in March, we're going to skip Snyder Cut. That dropped uh, a little bit earlier in March, but we're going to go right to Godzilla versus Kong, starring Millie Bobby Brown, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, which I was shocked to see him in this movie, uh, Alexander Skarsgård, and, of course, Godzilla and King Kong. This was fun, man. I, I thought I had a blast watching this shit, man. It, it, it definitely hit all of the, the uh, dopamine <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, know, for, like, I was I was so hyped about it, especially because of Wingard, uh, who I think we all who has directed uh, Your Next and The Guest, uh, two movies I think all of us like a lot um, or like to some degree. Uh, but I, I did I I saw the first Godzilla and I liked it, and then I was like six months later I was like I forgot everything about that movie. It kind of sucked, and then I saw King of the Monsters and I was like, oh that that one was way better. Uh, and then six months later, I was like, actually, no, it kind of sucked. Uh, and this one, the first half <laughs> happened and I was like, oh, fuck, man, it happened again. Like they gave one of these guys a franchise and fucking it's just a studio movie again. And then like the they went to Hollow Earth in the second act. And when they said Hollow Earth, man, I couldn't have sat up straighter. I was like, <laughs> hey, well, what, what now? Uh, and then from the second, like. There's a hollow earth. Uh, the movie hit was like barreling through it. I thought the stuff in Hong Kong looked absolutely spectacular. The fight was the best one of these monster fights that there's been because like mm-hmm. the shots were cool. Their faces are actually expressive. Like Godzilla looks like he's actually like reacting to things, which was like, show- it, it was so close to stuff that should have seemed like parody almost, but it was really mm-hmm. working. And even the mech, which at first I was like, it looks kind of like shit. And I didn't love the design, but ultimately I thought it worked, but Mm. it was cool, man. And of course, like, you know, the whole time, like, well, of course they're going to, there's not going to be a winner. They're going to team up. Like, you know, you know, no, 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 there was a winner. There was a winner. Yes. Yes. There was a winner. There was a winner to the fight over, but like, it's not going to be like a, um, He's not going to murder him. It's, not, gonna, gonna it's, it's yeah. not a winner-take-all situation. And neither one of them ultimately is going to be presented as the villain of the movie, is more what yeah. I mean. Like, they are going to team up to fight something else, yeah. uh, which they do. And that it was, uh, I thought it was cool. And goddamn, it was less than two hours. You do, I, I, there, the, since seeing it, I've had different feelings about all the human stuff. And I felt like I was maybe a little soft on it in my review because I was just like, I thought it was fun. Like, this stuff was fine i don't really care about any of it but i thought it was fine but for me it's like all the stuff with the monsters and hollow earth and all that shit was so good 
that they could have just had like a loading screen in between those sequences. Yeah. Like it could have, it could have just been like the fucking Apple Beach ball, and I just would have waited for, yeah. for the stuff to happen and not yeah. cared. I still would have been the same rating because when Brian Tyree good. first, when he first showed up, I was like, and he's like a conspiracy podcaster. I was like, this is really on the nose, but whatever. Like I'm into it. And then by the end of that plot, him and Millie Bobby, I was like, this is annoying, man. This is the one that they gotta, they should have jettisoned. Yeah. I, I was gonna die in the first scene, and then he didn't, and I was like, okay. Yeah, that um, uh, that's the first thing I've seen Millie Bobby Brown is that is that her name? Um, yeah. In anything and like, I, I was just looking around. That that's probably what really soured it for me. Just thinking about how many adults are obsessed with this child who is really bad at acting. Like, get a hold <laughs> of yourself. Like y'all are insane. She's absolute trash. Um, uh, I don't. Is is Stranger Things still in vogue? Do people still like this well, still thing? They're waiting. They're way the, They're filming the next season right now. Those kids are old though. They're probably gonna have to do a time jump because they. It look happened. It. I said like I watched the first season like everybody else. Then I never watched the show again. But uh, I did recently just finish the eighth season of Homeland though, so you can definitely trust my judgment. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was just like, oh, they're gonna have a like how bad it was with the kids in it. It, it's going to be 30 times worse than stranger things. And sure enough, it was my, my thing about the human thing is that, listen, man, you're not, there, there isn't going to be like, even Adam Wingard saying, I think it's time. I think people are ready for a, a Godzilla movie with no humans. I'm like, motherfucker, you got to have something to break yeah, up. I, the, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen because these movies and these, these CGI motherfuckers cost so much to animate and you're not going to put somebody in a suit. So that's not going to happen. It's not going to. And the thing is like, I watched the old Toho Godzilla's on Sci-Fi Channel and on Mystery Science Theater 3000. It, they're all like that. In fact, I would say like you'll probably look at one of those old movies, and look at this one, and be like, you know what? I'm glad it did. You know what I'm saying? Like this is to me on the bottom rung of how terrible these human plots can get. And even within the monster verse, with Kong Skull Island probably being the best with the human stuff, and I think so, yeah. and 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 King of the Monsters probably being the lowest. This was to me really inoffensive, but my issue is is the Millie Billy, the Millie Bobby Brown stuff because it felt like they were trying to shoehorn the less interesting Godzilla plot lines into this movie when we real like the Kong stuff is way stronger than the Godzilla mm-hmm. stuff, even though Godzilla is cooler than Kong is in the movie. And it just kind of like cancels it. It cancels itself That's out. That's almost so like, why the Kong stuff can be explored more. Like, cause Kong kind mm-hmm. of like, like Godzilla is just so fucking cool. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a giant lizard. It lives in the ocean. It breathes blue lightning. I don't care about anything else. He's the alpha. Kong, he's like, yeah, the, the story was set in King of the Monster. He is the king. He's the alpha. I almost and, feel as though you didn't need the exposition. Cause we already know from the last movie, this yeah. motherfucker is the, the baddest motherfucker and, and, on, on and the planet. Kong is a literal, like he's basically a person. He's so a baby. You, do, you do need to like give him some actual like stuff to do, uh, yeah. not just because he's part of the movie, but because he actually looks more like people than a lizard does. Yeah. And uh, that's why like the, you know, the, the hollow earth stuff is so much more fun than like Ken Watanabe looking at an old cave drawing. Yeah. The, I thought, the, you, oh, go ahead. Uh, just real quick. Yeah. The, the, the human element seemed the closest analog to them trying to do like, like having like the wacky conspiracy theory podcast host and Brian Tyree Henry. And then like the two, the, the kid from the Taika Waititi movies, the, like, what's his name? The older people. Um, uh, no, yeah. Uh, I don't know his name. I, I, I haven't seen the other one, now. but I, I love him in wilder people, but he's like 12 yeah, in that movie. Yeah. He's a child there. And, 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 and then Mo- and Millie Bobby Brown's like, okay, we have, this is going to be like their version of like the Marvel 
um, kitschy kind of quippy shit when I was like, yeah, they had to exactly. The rest, the rest was so self-serious at times. Not always. Like I, I actually loved when uh, Kong popped his shoulder back into place. Like, yes. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That, that, I, I, that shit. I was like, okay. Now I was like, the whole movie. I wish it was more like that. Um, but the, yeah, the human element. It was because they're like, oh, we got to do what all these movies have to do now is like force humor that is not funny at all into these very bland kind of cipher there was one cute uh part where the uh, scars guard didn't know what coward meant i thought that was cute i, I yeah, did laugh the, at that he was the good. king kong half was good i felt like yeah i feel like the biggest issue with the million brown stuff and like all the people coming over from king of Mon- king of monsters and stuff is like they wanted there to be this strong balance between the Kong half and the Godzilla half. Mm-hmm. And in reality, Godzilla as his own attraction is fine. We didn't really need more of the gods. We didn't need someone running around on in Godzilla's corner. Like Godzilla's yeah. like the the draw. He's good already. Yeah. And I thought that Kong is almost more like like Nick and the Great Gatsby or something, where like he's the person <laughs> who can look at all this stuff through. Yeah. So like if it was just him and Rebecca Hall and little kid and little girl and Skarsgar, like that would be really tight. I didn't need to keep cutting away to Millie Bobby Brown being like, well, someone's going to help Godzilla. Like Godzilla is fine. <laughs> Godzilla needs, like he ended up needing a little bit of help because he was tired from whooping Kong's ass, but like he was fine. <laughs> he didn't need any assistance from anybody. He's good. But here's the thing that like literally what you just said, like it, the joke in the movie would be like Millie Bobby being like, we have to help him. And then like, there'd be like a roar somewhere. And Brian Tyree would be like, I think he's fine. And like the joke is like him saying, I think he's fine. And like, that's not a joke. And even the delivery is like, he's not, we all like him, but he's not funny enough to where anything he says is funny. He was uh, miscast. Almost- I think Brian Tyree was horribly miscast in this role in this movie. And I, I wasn't feeling him at all. I think like from child's play to this, I, I'm like, you could take less roles. Like you, you go <laughs> with child's play being your funny. That's what happens when you become one of the black people, Hollywood knows their name. Yeah. Once you get a little bit good, it just becomes like, take all this shit. It's how you, <laughs> you know Hollywood is still. All this. It's how you know Hollywood is still actually pretty racist because when like when like one any black actor who gets famous on television instantly is in a bunch of movies, and even like Michael Kenneth Williams, like he's been in some total dog shit movies because studios were just like, hey, this is a black guy white people think is really cool. And he wasn't going to be Omar. like, no, I'm not going to take $5 million to be in a three minutes of a, some shitty movie. Like, of course I'm taking the money. And so it, and it's like this weird, like, you know, they're doing it now with uh, not just uh, black actors, but literally everybody with like this mm-hmm. overcompensation of like, oh, well, you suddenly see people everywhere because they like, literally they're like, oh, that's, this, this is the solution to our problem. Like signing this person. And it's like, well, okay, this does, to some extent, suck the actual author. Like, you're not going to, if you put every guy who's Brian Tyree Henry from a show like Atlanta in a movie like Godzilla versus Kong, eventually those guys are going to stop existing. Like, that that stops guys like him from actually they'll, developing they, talent. Pat, Pat, they'll just get the nigger from Lovecraft Country. I'm just, I hate to tell you, they're just going to get that nigger. <laughs> um, so, what, one thing that, that I will say as we close out this is that I could understand why this movie did so well. It is the perfect type of escapism. That final 45 minutes, pure dopamine. I was like floating. I was like, this is fine. It came out as like everybody kind of started getting the vaccine as like the rollout became like much more widespread. And it was like- That's your vaccine movie. It's our vaccine movie. It's basically been about, and actually I will say, I actually think the vaccine movie is uh, the Snyder Cut. But- uh, 
this was the more celebratory movie of the vaccine. The Snyder Cut was like, oh, people are people are are, are happy again. Like this is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then this movie came out and it was like, oh, people are enjoying things. This is really crazy. Yeah, this, this was like literal lizard brain activated. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, we're back back to the movies. People, people are. I mean, it's a whole different conversation of whether it's a good thing that people are just like pandemic's over. It's really not. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I am glad people can find joy. I will say that I, I'm a I, my threshold for these kind of movies is much lower. I, I'm not trying to gloat about this. I just these just don't. That's really what it sounds like. Uh, no, I'm just saying <laughs> they don't, they, they don't you, work. You know, like me, me, Pat, and Dom have been like, yo, this shit was fire. You're like, uh, fuck it, Nomad Land. <laughs> no, if, if, you, if, you, if you have noticed, and you, if you really did unfollow me on Letterboxd, I, I, I went back and changed my Nomad Land uh, review. I've actually soured on that too. Um, this is like, so this is so cowardly. It's like when you changed your Black Klansman review. Ah, <laughs> oh, you seven, bitch! Seven times. Pat was yeah. watching. I was like, ah. So there we are uh, as we come to the end of the inaugural episode of Triple Beam Streams. I want to thank you guys for sticking with us uh, through the wait and through this rebrand. We are we are back at the movies. Till next time, for Pat, Dom, and Eric. Of course, I'm Justin. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you. Uh, what two weeks? We'll see you in two weeks.